My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. This morning, my sermon title is uh, simply Pride. Oftentimes, one thing that you'll hear directed against Christianity is an argument that we are all hypocrites. Raise your hand if you've heard that one. That we don't live what we profess. There's a Gandhi quote I've heard referenced so many times, I'm now calling a national moratorium on it. He said, I like your Christ, I do not like your Christians. They are so unlike your Christ. Or something along those lines. I've heard some people say, uh, the whole world would be Christian if it wasn't for the Christians. There's some variation of that. So on the surface, there's a slight degree of truth to that, right? We can't say that it's completely false, it's completely wrong. There can be at times a slight degree of truth to that. But a lot of times the people that say, I, I like your Christ, I do not like your Christians, they are so unlike your Christ, are usually the people who are kind of wrapped up in, in sins that they don't want to give up, so they don't like Christ's call to repentance and holiness. There have been times in history where Christians have not lived up to the pattern as lived out by Jesus. The thing is, though, Christians, Christianity is, is it's not just a set of ideals, right? Christianity is not a, an ideal or an ethic that you can then lift up and then transpose onto something else, right? You can't say, I'm a Christian Buddhist or something like that. I've seen, and you're like, what does that even mean? It's not just an ethic. Christianity is life because it is only through Jesus Christ that we are given life itself and the promise of eternal union with the one from whom life itself flows. But sometimes we need a reminder to help us not get into that place of apathy where people can make that accusation against us. I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. The fact that some Christians don't always display the way of Jesus does not negate our entire belief system. Rather, it shows like everybody else that we're still human, right? We still suffer from the effects of sin. And we're still working out our salvation with fear and trembling, as St. Paul reminds us in his epistles, I believe, to the Philippians. And so, brothers and sisters, we will fall short time and again. And this is why the words from the readings we heard this morning, I think, are so helpful. I'm going to deal with uh, the, the epistle to the Hebrews first. The author of Hebrews says, Let brotherly love continue. The brotherly love continue. And he lists out what this means. What love continuing on looks like. He says, number one, do not neglect 
to show hospitality to strangers. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. They should make us think, brothers and sisters, of stories in the Old Testament where some of the characters showed hospitality to people. I'm thinking primarily of Abraham. The one day Abraham, is, it says he's sitting outside under the tree, just chilling out, and he sees three men approaching, and he gets up, and he welcomes them into his tent. And he goes to Sarah, and he's like, get the best calf, kill it, let's prepare it. And, and you're like, well, who are these three guys that he would do this? In the ancient world, hospitality was an important thing, and it still carries on to this day uh, in, in the areas where, where this was a big deal, right? Hospitality is important because when you live out in the desert, or if you live out in hard-to-live areas, if you were yourself to endure a hardship, you would hope that the people you would come across would help you. And that's sort of what undergirds all of this. And so Abraham welcomes these people into the tent. And in the story, as it continues, one of the men actually turns out to be God in human form. And the Hebrew text says, some have entertained strangers or angels unaware. And then in the time of the New Testament, right, there were also those who would travel from church to church, from city to city, right? People like St. Paul and the other apostles. They would travel from city to city. Sometimes they would stay. Sometimes they would show up and leave. Sometimes they were accepted. Excuse me. <clears throat> Sometimes they were kicked out. But when they would get to a city, someone would show them hospitality and allow them to live there. And when Jesus sends out his disciples, right, two by two, and he says, now go and tell them that the kingdom of God is here. I'm going to give you power to cast out the demons and to heal the sick and go throughout the villages. And the disciples do. And he says, if you come to a place, the first person that welcomes you into their house, stay at that house. And if nobody does, kick off the dust from your feet and move on somewhere else. Hospitality is important. It's one of the ways that we show love by letting people into our home, by sharing our food with them, by sharing our food. There was a show, I can't remember what channel it was on, I don't even think it's on anymore, but the whole idea was let's, <laughs> let's get two people or two small groups of people who disagree, right, and let's put them together at a dinner table and give them some food and then film how the conversations go, right? So, you know, you would get like a, a, an Israeli and a Palestinian and you'd get them together around and then you would kind of film the, um, film the conversation. People who are historically at odds, right? Uh, or you get like a Democrat and a Republican, right? You put them at the same table and then you film it while they argue while the libertarian just leans back and is like, you guys, you guys. Joke, okay. No political jokes today. Okay. But there's a bonding that comes with opening your home by sharing your food, by sharing what you have with others. Ultimately, by sharing Christ with them. Then he says, remember the prisoners. And you might think, well, this is kind of an odd instruction. But it really isn't. In our, in our day and time, day and age, jails are, are, some of them are privately owned, some of them are owned by the government. Generally speaking, they are <laughs> light years better than a jail in the ancient world. Right? They have a bed, they have a bathroom, they get clothes, showers. Conditions might not be great, but in the ancient world, what's a shower if you're in prison? What's a bath when you're in prison? 
Oh, you want some food? Uh, here's like a moldy slice of bread, maybe. Oh, you want some water? Here, let me take a thimble and throw it in there and have you guys fight over it. That's what jail was like. That's what prison was like back then. And so people would go to the prisons, to the jails, and they would show hospitality to those in prison who were awaiting trial or execution or even sentencing. And we actually see this very much in the early church where people who were taken and arrested for being Christians were ministered to by other Christians who would bring them food and drink and take care of them. And we see in Christian history conversions in the jail cells of other people who were jailed for other things. And we even see in Christian history the conversion of the jailers themselves who sometimes would join the Christians sentenced to death in martyrdom themselves. And I don't think that this is something that we get out of of our own day and time too. Because I think in our culture what we like to do is we like to say if you've broken a law and you go to jail, it's somewhere where we just keep you separate and you just kind of sit and we forget about you and you just stay over there until you're done and then you can come back into society. Maybe when you're really old if you've done something really bad. But we won't give you any tools. We won't give you anything that you can use to, to better yourself once you get out. So you don't find yourself in those cycles of, uh, or those patterns of, of misbehavior that led you into prison in the first place. Right? What if when we sent people to prison, what if we cared for them while in prison? Psychological help, job training, skills training, stuff like that. We should remember as Christians the prisoners and go and visit them and minister to them as best we can. Then he says, honor your husband or wife. And he says here, uh, the author in Hebrews, that the marriage bed needs to be held undefiled. Marriage is to be held in honor among all. So in other words, he's calling them to a few different things here. He's calling them to lives of sexual purity to one another. From husband to wife and from wife to husband. He's saying the marriage bed is undefiled. You don't bring other people there. You don't leave it and go somewhere else. And then come back. The marriage bed is undefiled. Lives of sexual holiness and purity from husband to wife and wife to husband. Because in Genesis, and Jesus cites this in the Gospels, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two shall become what? One flesh. Then he says, keep free from envy. He says, be content with what you have. And to be content with what we have means that we need to be free from envy. I don't know about you, but for me, there's been different times in my life where I've, I've had friends or, or acquaintances who looked like they had it all together. They had a really good job. They had a really cool car. And they had a really nice office, maybe, and a really nice house. 
And on the surface, it looked like they had everything that I wanted for myself. Not that I wanted <laughs> their car and their house, but that idea, right? Wow, I wish I could have a job like that, that could afford me that amount of freedom to do this and to have that. And many of those people that I measured myself by, a lot of them are now not in that place where they were. Some of them have gone on to bigger and better things, and some of them, their lives have taken a completely different turn towards darkness. So we should never envy what other people have. Maybe somebody who's more successful than we are. That leads us to try to pursue stuff that we might not be ready for or we can't have. Because oftentimes when we pursue something that we think we really, really want it, when we get it, we find out that, okay, well, this wasn't that great. Man, I really, really, <laughs> I really wanted that new iPad Pro. And when I got it, I thought, like, when I opened the packaging, I thought that the light would shine out of the sky and the angels would sing. And like, oh, look at your purchase. And I pull it out of the box and I open it. I'm like, this is really cool. But it is really cool and useful. But it's just a piece of technology. Doesn't mean no good to envy somebody else who has the newest and latest tech and the greatest tech. Ah, if I could just get that. Keep ourselves free from envy. Be content. You know, it's funny, there's a, a, a passage that, you know, we find on mugs and t-shirts and bumper stickers. And it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And of course, that's absolutely true. And we even see athletes, right? I think, was it Philippians 3.5? I think they have it on like their, their shorts. Or MMA fighters will even have it while they're fighting. Or, or you'll see it at a football game. You know, Philippians 3.5. And then someone had like John 3.16. And they're having like a Bible verse war at the, at the sporting event, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know what that, rever that verse is speaking to? It's not... I can really run this race or I can knock out this other guy or I can, I can score a touchdown because Christ gives me the strength to do that. That verse is talking about how we, about contentment. It's about I can learn to be content in every situation through the strengthening power of Christ in me. That's what that verse means. That's what it's speaking about. That I can learn to be content in every single circumstance through Christ. Keeping us free from envy. And then he says, remember your leaders. He says to consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith in him, in Jesus, and use that as a model for their own faith and faithfulness. And that's really important. Follow our leaders, especially in the church, right? We are to imitate those who are in spiritual authority over us, only to the extent to which they imitate and follow Christ, right? There's a pastor of a massive, 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 massive megachurch, I won't, I won't say his name, who recently was fired because of, of um, drugs, alcohol, sexual chicanery, all that kind of chicanery. And um, he was considered to be like a leader of leaders, right? Like, Imitate this guy because he has the lowdown on leadership. He can teach you how to be a leader. 
And that's actually true. He did teach people how to be leaders. But it's interesting that many of the people who learned to be leaders under him wound up making the same mistakes that he did. There's a, 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 I'll just say, there's, there's a church that I, that I know of where, where the pastor had himself had, um, had marital infidelity issues, right? And so marriage ended, all that stuff. It's interesting to see in that church that pattern of infidelity among people in the leadership over the years. Right? We're not supposed to imitate that. We are to remember and to honor and to follow our leaders as they are following Christ. And if they are not following Christ, if they're teaching us to do things that Christ would not do, if they're teaching us to try to believe Christ would not have us believe, if they are telling people to model their lives along a certain way that runs counter to how Christ and his scriptures and his word and his church teaches us how to live, then we are to not emulate them. We are to not follow them. We are to follow our leaders as only as in the church as they imitate Christ. In the gospel reading, Jesus gives a couple of examples of pride. The first example he gives is a guest at a wedding feast. And at the wedding feast, he talks about somebody who's like, hey, everybody knows me. I'm down with the, groom, the bride and the groom. I'm, I'm really good friends with them. I'm going to go sit at the table. I'm going to <laughs> go sit at the table that the bride and the groom and the family sit at. Well, maybe not that table. Maybe the one right next to it. Right? I'm going to advance myself. And then in the, in the story, Jesus says, don't do that because if you do that, the person might say to you, hey, it's great to see you. That, sh that, that, that seat isn't for you. That's actually for somebody else. Can you go sit over there? And that's kind of embarrassing, right? Both for you and for the other person because they kind of had to tell you to move. And it's embarrassing for you because you thought more of yourself than you should have. Jesus says, when you go to that feast, sit in the lower place, right? Sit in the lower place. And they'll see you. And if they want to bring you closer, they'll say, hey, you, come on up here. A silly example, but I remember I was in a meeting, a church meeting with my dad, and uh, I was I wasn't sitting with him. I was I was working at the time, but I was there, and there was a speaker, and he was he was preaching or doing a thing or whatever, and uh, he was preaching, preaching, preaching. A massive building just filled with people, and he saw my dad sitting in the crowd, and he was like, "My Glansman, stand up." My dad's like, oh, okay. And then the preacher was like, this guy is awesome. I love him. He helped me out. He's helped all these churches out. He's great. He's fantastic. Thank you for everything you've done. In a room full of people uh, and, 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 and honored him in front of all of those people. My dad didn't rush the stage and say, hey, man, remember me? How awesome I was when we had that conversation a while back and I helped you out with that? Remember? Wasn't that great? Like, they'd be like, okay, that's fine. Go back to your seat. Right? We don't seek to exalt ourselves. The second example he gives here is this concept of hospitality that we talked about a little bit earlier. He says, when you throw a banquet, don't invite your friends and your family. He says, don't invite people who, who can repay your kindness. Now, by doing this, is he putting a moratorium on Thanksgiving dinner? No. Right? You can invite your family to Thanksgiving dinner. He's not saying don't invite your family to Thanksgiving dinner. Even that uncle, 
are the ants, who's on the other side of the political aisle than you, and you know is going to make everybody mad. Invite them anyway because they're family and you love them and show hospitality to them. Amen. He says, invite the crippled, the lame, the poor, all of those who cannot repay. See, oftentimes we don't extend hospitality to those who are less fortunate than ourselves because of our pride. Ooh. I don't want to invite that person over to our house because they don't dress as nice as I do. <clears throat> I don't invite that person over because their car leaks oil sometimes because it's the best car they can afford and I don't want it dripping on my driveway. So I'm never going to invite them over because the cleaner is a hassle. Or I don't like how they raise their kids. So I'm not going to invite them over to play with my kids. Jesus says, those are the people to invite. Because in the Gospels, in the Scriptures, is that those who have much are to share it with those who do not have. And when pride mixes in with, that, with a lack of hospitality, we wind up doing the opposite of everything we just heard we should have done. Right, in that reading from Sirach, it said that the beginning of pride is sin. The beginning of pride is sin. When that pride mixes in with that lack of hospitality, we find ourselves saying, I don't need to show hospitality to anyone. I don't need to remember the prisoners. I don't need to honor my marriage vows. I don't need to, 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 to keep from envy. I don't need to listen to godly leaders. I don't need to honor... Well, I won't, I won't belabor the point. If you say you don't need to show hospitality, you wind cutting off yourself from everyone and everything. And you retreat and you become selfish, right? When we don't remember the prisoners, the poor, we then wind up taking all of our resources and funneling it towards ourselves. When we don't honor our marriage vows, we wind up pursuing things God has said no to. Right? We say, when I don't need to keep from envy, we put no bridle on pursuing the things that we think we need, but we really just want. And if we don't need to listen to godly leaders and emulate their life, then we can just live however we want. As Jesus says in the, in the gospel reading, we need to learn to humble ourselves. We need to learn to humble ourselves. And humility means that we need to have an accurate view of who we are. Right? We need to know who we are. And what we are, are sinful people who are being transformed by the grace of God. That's what we are. And so when we keep that in mind, it helps us then to orient ourselves and to orient our lives. So we can learn to be hospitable, to help the poor, to live a life of Christian sexual morality, to not covet what other people have. 
to not be envious. All of that begins with us saying, I don't know if I can do any of that, God. I need your grace. And when we do that, what does God say? Okay. And he gives us the grace to do all of that. He gives us the grace to do all of that. And so to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we all glory together with his Father who is from everlasting and is all holy good and life-creating spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Zion's Stone Church. We're in the middle of a building repair campaign, and if you'd like to help, please go to www.gofundme.com slash Zion's Stone Church Repair Fund. We'd appreciate anything you'd be able to donate. If you're ever in the area, you're always welcome to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 10.15 a.m. God bless you.